The strong wind was howling and whistling. He was the first Chinese citizen to graduate from Yale University in the mid-19th century. I was born on the 17th of November. She had prominent features. Three of us were old enough to lend a helping hand. He navigated between two vastly different cultures and moved further to realize his dream and promote understanding between the people of China and the United States. Ye Mingxing was a native of Hanyang. I realized no danger. China is really awakening. Come and join us in discovering the incredible journey of Yong Wang in his autobiography, My Life in China and America. Check out the audible stories on radio.cgtn.com and all major podcast platforms. Just search for the podcast Books and Beyond and find My Life in China and America. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable, coming to you live from Beijing. I'm He Yang. Good as always to have you. Digital transformation is never quick or simple. When creating digital medical records, though, add the complexity of regulatory compliance and security mandates to the mix, the process can seem fully daunting. Do we need a unified electronic medical record system on the national scale? Why is it so hard to share information among hospitals? And we're on a mission of starting your week with a motivational kick. Our Motivational Monday offerings will get you ready to tackle the week. For today's program, I'm joined by Huang Shen and Fei Fei in the studio. First on today's show, Digitalization or digitalization or digitalization, that is a big word, and it is the key to ensuring smooth operations for many sectors. That includes medicine and healthcare. Electronic medical records are nothing new anymore. In China's big hospitals, it's now standard practice for doctors to enter patients' medical information into a computer linked by the hospital's intranet. But different hospitals do not not share the medical records of patients. And is that a problem? Well, tell us how this discussion has come under the spotlight this time. Uh, Xu Kewei, who is a political advisor, submitted a proposal at the just-concluded two sessions suggesting the construction of a national unified electronic medical record system. Uh, the proposal has got the support of 20 political advisors by far. Uh, why he brought up the issue is because uh, Xu Kewei, he's also the vice president of a hospital in the country, and he said that he has met a lot of patients transferred from other level or other hospitals since doctors they cannot check the medical treatment information of patients in other hospitals and patients usually they have to take a lot of paper-based medical records with them um, based on his claim this not only brings inconvenience to patients and doctors but also have an impact on the later diagnosis and treatment because of missing medical records so i think this discussion has been going on for many years but so far we haven't seen a unified national electronic medical record system because many people are questioning how feasible it is mm. and actually but actually the building of a electronic medical record system has started long ago, I would say 
probably 14 years ago in 2009 that China has started, issued a lot of documents to promote the popularization of electronic medical records. And that has seen some achievements on regional level, like, for example, in some cities or provinces right now, there are such a system or platform where hospitals of different levels, they can share some information on that platform so that doctors can have access at least to the medical history of a certain patient. Because when it comes to the primary level in China, especially in villages, a lot of the cases are that these patients aren't really capable of altering clearly of what their conditions are, and they also have a difficult time to comprehend what the doctors are saying. Well, because my mom used to work at a county-level hospital, and the most questions that she got asked as a doctor was, is my illness really serious? Mm-hmm. But you know, there's no like a black and white answer to this question for a lot of doctors. Like, it really depends on what sort of symptoms you have and what you're looking for for this treatment, and that you can't really answer with a yes or no answer, but you have to explain very specifically about the problem they have, but they can't understand what their problem really is and what this current treatment treatment really mean for their health. Right. So I think right by, by having a system with this medical history and records on the computer, you will really cut down a lot of such miscommunication between the doctors and patients. That's a brilliant point. And That is one factor among many of the benefits, as well as there are some um, salient opposing factors to um, the argument as well. But just by those few words you said there, Feifei, immediately one obstacle, which is kind of a basic one that comes to my mind, is I'm not even sure, you know, at the grassroots level, let's say villages or rural China hospitals, Do they have computers? Would they rather spend that money on maybe buying medical treatment equipment instead of a computer, if you see what I mean? Mm Because we are a vast country of very different situations and medical resources can be pretty scarce in certain places. And some argue, which I think rightfully so, that more of the um, advanced or relative abundant medical resources are tilted towards the biggest cities in this country. So um, when we talk about digitalization, to me, an amateur who's read on this subject, what I see is at least two steps. One being, let's enter this information into a computer. Therefore, we keep a record that is digitalized in that sense. And second step is, do we want to link these information records together? And to what um, scope do you want that to happen? Mm. Is it within this hospital? Or is it within the districts of this um, place? Or a national one, which is, well, we're talking about 1.4 billion people's medical information. And 
I, I think it's important to have this discussion and have a thorough one as our lawmakers convene together to talk about these uh, important issues that affect people. So there's a lot to talk about. And um, before we get into in great depth of the pros and cons and the nitty gritty of building a national unified electronic medical record system, Huangshan, could you bring us up to speed to where we are at now? Because it's been, like Feifei said, uh, 14 or some people say 13 uh, years since um, the digitalization of electronic medical records has become an issue on the uh, under the national spotlight. Yeah, so so far we have made some achievement since then the medical records have gradually changed toward digitalization and standardization which has improved the work efficiency and information flow efficiency and made it possible for patients to continue diagnosis and treatment between different medical institutions so apparently it started from 2009 as relevant ministries and commissions they have issued multiple documents and then in 2010 uh, the then ministry of Health issued some uh, details for electronic medical records, which stipulated the definition and basic functions of electronic medical records in more details and carry out the pilot operation in 22 provinces, districts, and cities. But to be honest, I don't have the figures for how widespread the system is and how much we have achieved over the years. Apparently, people are having that discussion as well as awareness of the some of the benefits of a unified EMR system. Because ideally, if you can get everyone, like hospitals of all levels on board on the same page as well, then it will bring convenience for um, patients because, uh, for example, uh, some people with really complicated diseases, mm. they would like to seek medical treatment in a bigger city. If they're originally from a smaller town or like uh, a smaller city, then they would like to uh, seek the best medical treatment supposed to be in, well, maybe Beijing or Shanghai or Guangzhou, you name it. Um, sometimes they have to bring a lot of materials or just like the paper-based medical records with mm -hmm. them. It could be very time and energy consuming. And then very likely you have to do multiple physical checks or multiple checks, medical checks in this mm. to deal with this particular um disease. Uh, so if you can have that unified medical record system, then very likely if you transfer from one hospital to the other one, mm. then you don't need to do that specific test again. However, some hospitals or doctors will argue that while different doctors or different hospitals have different standards mm. of just even one particular item of the checkups. So if you do that in a lower tier hospital, maybe it's not comprehensive enough or it may not be that detailed uh, can give the top doctor a very broad, a very comprehensive and full picture of what are the details of your physical conditions. So so it's very complicated because when it comes to a certain disease or illness, you have to be precise. And how accurate are these e or digital forms are? This is some of the questions we need to think about. And when you are talking about a country of over 1.4 billion people, then it's so complicated. And now, so far, can we guarantee that hospitals, 
of all levels, each of them has an electronic medical, um, you know, record system. Mm -hmm. Not really. And then if we're talking about one, well, big comprehensive a three A hospital in first year city like Beijing, then can you guarantee even they share the information inside one hospital?、Mm. So if we be specific, then I think we still have a very long way to go. Yes, exactly. But I think it takes steps. Really, is、yeah. not like a one-year solution type of, of process. If we look looked back at ten years ago, probably when in Beijing at least,、um, if we went to a certain hospital for some treatment, and often the case is that you have to start from the beginning. That you have to first have your blood drawn, and took a lot of the scans, and to go through a different treatment so that the doctors can start to give you a particular diagnosis. But then、uh, gradually, that here at least here in Beijing, and I think the same happens with a lot of the top, the biggest cities here in China, is that they start to recognize each other's diagnosis. At least you can do your CT scan, for example, in this smaller hospital, and then you can take your results of that scan to a bigger hospital for further diagnosis if necessary. And that, right now, I think last year in 2022, that sort of recognize recognition system start to expand. Outside of Beijing, that right now some hospitals in Beijing, Tianjin, Hebei, and also Shandong, they start to share such system that when you take certain treatment in this hospital, these results are recognizable as well in another hospital. But it doesn't mean that every hospital、um, is recognizable within this system. Like Huang Shan said, if I'm going to one of the best hospital here in China, they're going to have questions. About the CT scan, I have on a county level because、mm. let's face it, their equipment cannot be as advanced as that top hospital in Beijing has, and that doctor's diagnosis would be very different from what the Beijing doctor has to say. So sometimes you have to go through that process again so that the doctor can have a more accurate diagnosis. I think,、mm. but then right now, I think doctors are want to going a little. One step further into building this national system, which I think makes sense on some level, because if we look at the proposal submitted at the two sessions, it's not just one proposal. It happens like twenty, more than twenty. Advisors are having this proposal, and a lot of them actually working the medical system.、Mm. So I think that makes sense on some level, but I do think think that there are also a lot of hinders along the way, like、mm-hmm. the protection of privacy,、mm-hmm. for example. We're talking about that's a huge risk, and、yeah. also where to store the medical records of 1.4 billion people. How big of a facility you have to have? How many discs? You are going to need, and how many power you're going to need for、mm. to power these discs, and I think that can be huge costs、yeah. if we're talking about this. I suspect that it's going to be somewhere up there in the cloud. I'm going to pretend、mm. like I know it where it is, <laughs> but the problem is, if it's actually there, then if it's a malicious hacker or you know just bad group of people. They know exactly where. Well, okay, they'll they'll go search for it, but then it's a okay. This puts bad、so、ideas、like、into people's minds, you know. But 
it it is a very um, easy target to to look at, but but also when you look at the uh, overall discussion of electronic medical records, um, there's. Uh, definitely one um, pro argument, which is going paperless. Mm. Apparently, paperless anything is good. Um, but but there's definitely the yeah. uh, other side of the story to uh, that too. I would argue when we are going paperless, we need backup as well. But how many backups you can have? Because when going electronics, I think we all have this experience that the computer collapsed, and everything you have there is gone. Yeah, the cloud, the cloud. Yeah, yeah, but but that you <laughs> but who's going to guard the cloud? Yeah, you also need a backup for the yeah, cloud, yeah. and sometimes having some paper as backups are, I would say, a little bit a safer choice. Well, the individuals could back it up themselves, but、mm. but who's going to do that, right? But still, you- I think it's quite awkward. Like if we're talking about some paper-based medical records, that's fine. But what about a CT scan? So if、mm. it's the eversion, right? How big the screen should be for the doctor's like yeah, like I, desktop, yeah, right? That's a very good point. And actually, can I just say this is one、um, progress that I've actually spotted. That's within the same hospital in Beijing,、mm. at least. Let's just、uh, you know、um, keep it simple and clear for people.、Um, so the, the the hospital would be able to. Um, store all these information of the, your CT scans, whatever scans,、uh, info of the last maybe ten years or so, ever since they started、um, restoring,、uh, ever since they started storing these kinds of information. But even within the same hospital, if the previous doctor that you went to see decided, well, I'm just going to keep it simple and brief, two sentences of this diagnosis and my treatment, and that's it, and then. No, nobody's supervising, or nor do they should do that. I mean, that's a question mark. And then, if the doctor decided this is what I want to keep as a record, and then click save, goes into the system, and the next hosp,、uh, the next doctor who looks at this, well, how relevant do you think it is? It really depends. It depends on the previous doctor. How detailed does he or she wants to keep the record? And also, here comes an interesting question:、um, intellectual property. When it comes to your medical record, I'm the patient. I automatically think it's my ailment. I'm going through this. Therefore, I probably should claim ownership to this information. But in this scenario. Maybe the doctor claims that it's my specific treatment that I'm given to you, and therefore, maybe I should claim the IP rights to that. Or maybe the hospital says the doctor is my employee, and therefore the hospital claims ownership. So, what do you think of that? The intellectual property issue in this particular one. Well, it reminds me of. In sometimes in Beijing hospital, at least when you went to a doctor and the doctor think that your case is very interesting and worth studying,、mm. and they send you. I don't know if a, it's good news <laughs>、yeah. or bad news to hear that. <laughs> But you are like a good case for studying. Very rare case、mm. or rare case.、Mm. But then they'll send you sort of a consent form so that、mm. you can sign to agree that I want to share that my diagnosis and my case. Uh, to these research teams so that they can carry on their research, but that also brings the question of when we, if we had this unified system, that everybody, 
every doctor in the country can have access to.、Mm. What about when these doctors are trying to do some research, some first-hand original research based on the diagnoses and treatments and cases, like? They, they they definitely want some leverage because they are the first one to meet this patient to meet this case, and they want to build their reputation, their scientific career, and around it. But what if someone else also are after the same thing, are working the same department, also get access to that case, and who are going to do the research on medicine? And then what if we start to lag behind because everybody was like, you know, it's not unique. It doesn't really worth looking into because everybody now has access to it. So I'll probably look into some other areas and not doing research in this particular area. Of course, you know, researchers they want to be the first one to be published on certain theories,、mm-hmm. and I think it also relates to that part when it, how to motivate, continue to motivate researchers and scientists、mm. to working on their original.、Um, Research, I think, when we are having this open space where everybody can have access to all the medical、if、records, if that happens, yeah, if that happens, right. Well, then,、um, some would argue that the hospitals don't have the incentive to break down the walls of synchronizing、mm. patients' medical records with other hospitals. I can totally see why internet companies or, you know, some of these.、Uh, These tech companies are very much interested in saying, "Let's do this. Let's try to digitalize everything," because <laughs> they've got big money to be made in that sense. But now we're still kind of the just、uh, on the trying to feel it out and see if there are if if the benefits do outweigh the the disadvantages, so to speak, stage. But Well, to some extent, actually, because there there is so much digital digitalization that is happening in this country. So, Hoshan, what do you think about this motivation of、um, tech ho- companies or or, or, or giants, and also or... hospitals or the lack of? I think for to start with, for the tech companies, of course, they're passionate because this means business opportunity. Because when you think about it, how we can provide、uh, that sense of security. To patients when they are willing to upload the details of their medical treatment or all kinds of diagnosis results, well, to the cloud, we need maybe a specific IT department in one hospital, and also if you want to establish that electronic health record system, you have to hire a. Service provider. Then who would you reach out to? Then these are all the business opportunities for tech companies. So we would like to avoid security threats. Then、mm. you need to have、um, let all the patients、uh, be very clear about the potential consequences. Which means maybe very likely you have to ask for their consent before、yes. you can upload all the information to the archive to the cloud. So I think it's. Really important, like for all the patients to know where their data is stored and who will be in charge of protecting their data and who can access to it. So I think if we just like make the information transparent within one hospital, that's easy to deal with. Cause if there's any leakage showed up, you know who should take responsibility for that. But if 
we have a unified national, like I mean, a national unified system, then who should be blamed? And also, if you want to have that, like a, a total open access to each patient's medical information, regardless where this person's from, where this person received the treatment, then what about the service providers in this regard? So should every hospital trying to seek technique support from the same company or you are going through different tech companies? So if we want to have a unified system, then very likely every hospitals in the country or at least every hospitals in one city should go for the same service provider, which means that particular tech company can form monopoly in this sector. Or, or you just take out the monopoly factor in designing the system. That is because we have a lot of stuff that is being digitalized right now. But do they want to share data? And do they want to share their archive? And that is exactly the motivation bit. And that for the exact same reason, Huang Shan, I, I think you point to something very um, to the core here. That is the hospitals aren't even interested in doing that, right? <laughs> so do we need something like this of a nationalized system? By the sound of it, yeah, the, the patients w- would save some of the um, carrying so many papers around. And, and and that's kind of it. Okay, we only have like a minute left. So you guys, 30 second response. Well, I think um, it's a really good idea to have a national system so that everybody don't need to carry a lot, a bag full of records around to go to hospitals. But I do think there are so many difficulties ahead and maybe not something we can see within a few years. I right. Guess. Huangshan, quick answer from you. I think, um, and even the, uh, well, I think, I hope in the future, the medical resources can be distributed evenly. I think that's a better idea for how you improve the service for medical treatment. Oh, you always go to the root of the issue, Huangshan. I appreciate that from you. Certainly, when it comes to something so fundamental to the health and uh, well-being of people, we would like to see more medical resources that's distributed to the people in need. Coming up, why do somebody turn down the promotion into a managerial role? Stick around and find out more on that topic. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Young. I'm joined by Huang Shan and Fei Fei in the studio. Coming up, being promoted is a big accomplish- uh, accomplishment, I would say. You would think this is what all employees seek to achieve. Perhaps not a millennial or Gen Z phenomenon. Not all workers see a promotion as their career holy grail. Why do some perfectly capable people rather not step into leadership roles and our special segment motivational monday coming your way will give you that adrenaline shot for the start of the week our podcast listeners can find us at roundtable china on apple podcast when you're there and you're so inclined please give us a five-star review it really helps our visibility and the most recent comment i saw on apple podcast is somebody who shares the music taste as huang shen and uh Apparently, really? <laughs> is a big fan of Soda Green, who oh, recently reclaimed their name rights or something yeah. like that, right? Band name, yeah. And Huang Shan shared that good news with us with a drink happy place, or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the band is going to perform 
um, in a music festival,、oh, maybe、great. during the May. The May season or like the springtime, yeah, 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 and and the concerts are back.、Uh, so many performances are back on, and、uh, definitely a great time to be if you're into that stuff. And、uh, also, if you have a question for Roundtable's Heart to Heart segment, please share it with us, and it could be answered on the show. Please send a voice memo or email to ezfmroundtable at. Foxmail.com. Now on Roundtable, as we continue today's discussion, when it comes to our careers, we've heavily socialized to be always looking up. We live in a up or not culture. In other words, to be quickly upwardly mobile equals to success. And who doesn't want to be successful? Career ambition can be an admirable attribute, nonetheless. Millennials and Gen Z, those born in the 1980s and 1990s in China, have demonstrated diverse views on life and career. Some reject the conventional belief in vertical ascension when it comes time for a promotion. So, guys, why do some perfectly capable people rather not be promoted to manager slash boss slash leader position? Well, I think some of them are just. Not really confident, because you know it will be um it will be very different when you are really a capable, but you are still as a worker. But when you are promoted to a leadership position, that means more responsibilities, and time sometimes you need to take full responsibilities for that result, and that also sort of scares some people off, I would guess, and others would say that. Well, I'm, I've actually met someone who said no to a leadership position. It's just、um, the role of being a leader or manager or boss in a team is not really her goal in her career. Is that you know, as a journalist, she just wants to working on different stories and going to different places and exploring different areas in the world. She's not really into you know managing a team, you know balancing between different、mm. tasks and different journalists. You know that's just sort of steer off her goal. So that's why she said no to. Being a leader of that team. Can I just add one caveat to exactly what you just said there, <laughs> Fei Fei? That is, it's really interesting. You point to maybe this intricacy in different kinds of jobs. That is, for some jobs, some occupations, these are. May I say professional ones, such as let's say being a doctor,、mm-hmm. maybe being a reporter or、uh, an accountant, a lawyer, as such, that there is this specific skill that you are required professionally to perform, and you can progress on that po- professional level and become the best kind of. Um, specialist, you can be, but that's very different from a magic managerial role, like what Fei Fei said earlier on. So, yeah, that that totally rings true to a lot of people. Do you want to become a specialist in what to do, or do you want to be going the other path? That、mm-hmm. is. A manager kind of role, but do you think that there's maybe a little bit more of this cachet that's automatically given to so-called management? I think not everyone wants to be a leader. It depends on what you want to achieve in your career path. 
I know an, a person shared a similar experience as、uh, Fifi earlier mentioned. Is the traditional Chinese medicine doctor I usually visit. He's an amazing doctor, and recently has he has received the opportunity to be promoted into a leadership position. However, she refused to take that offer because he would like to be a doctor, a real doctor、mm. who is trying to meet patients, trying to you know heal them, and trying to offer the sufficient medical treatment for people who are in need. So this. Can be applied to so many scenarios, and apparently, when we are talking about a leadership position, it's not always rosy. I mean, it sounds like a promotion for sure, but it could be stressful at the same time. I think not many. I, I it could take a toll on your mental or physical health, and sometimes people just want that work-life balance.、Mm. So. Maybe in that way, you would just to you would just prefer a a position that like you feel comfortable with. And sometimes when you are on the promotion channel or that mechanism, like you have you can see you have the potential to be promoted. It means you need to shoulder more responsibilities. Are you a person who's afraid of uncertainty? And if you are, maybe this could be very troublesome for you because if you are a leader, that you have to take care. Of all kinds of uncertainties that may occur in the job, so you have to be ready to, you know, work twenty four seven standby, and maybe very likely you cannot just like shift the blame on other people. <laughs> But oh, they can. Oh, oh yeah, for <laughs> sure. Perfectly. And that's also to do that, this also led to another argument, which is like when we're talking about leadership or bosses or leaders, we may think, oh wow, they're role models. But that's not always the case.、Mm. So if you just happen to be work in a company that like you don't have such a role model, then when your leader is not caring, is not competent, then you may ask yourself, why I want to be that in that position.、Mm. So sometimes we think. Competency might be the bare minimum for any position, but it's not always the case. Some leaders who do not know what they're doing, they could be sit in that position as well. So if you just happen to be in such a company, then you don't have a very inspiring role model who is a boss or a leader.、Mm. Then why you would like to become someone like that? You may want to do some actual job and to you know achieve your self worth and、mm. trying to. Prove to the world how competent you are. Yeah, that's such a great point. Also, it's so it's so simple. Just think about this. You look at your boss. Don't take this too literally, okay, everybody. I'm just, you know, hypothetically. Let's say this, okay. If your boss's life is not something you aspire to, then why would you want to grow into that position? Right, because、mm. we're all looking at you know there's layers and layers of management, but you're looking at the one your immediate your immediate boss. And usually, when we talk of promotions, then it's probably one step up. Rarely does somebody just goes like three of levels up. And if you do, congratulations.、Um, so, if that person's life isn't something that you feel ooh that looks good,、mm. then why would you, right? And also, just people are stressed out. A lot of people have enough on their plate already, and why do you want to take up more if we assume that one level up into 
the management into getting more money, getting more authority or whatever it is, um, then it probably means that you need to do more or maybe I am too naive and innocent about this. So what about the... um, kind of stating the obvious here, conventionally, people would want to progress this ladder. And there's got to be benefits, right? Well, there will be more power, of course. If you are at least one level up, that means you have at least one level up on your power sphere. And also, um, sometimes in some sectors, that also mean more pace. I mean, if you are one level up, that also means a lot of differences in your pay. Most of the time, raised to a certain percentage of your original pay. But I think for someone else to be able to managing a team that also means you're finally given the platform to do the things you want to do instead of, you know, listening to your boss <laughs> and do their jobs and oh. do finish their dreams, you know, especially, for example, if you work in a smaller business and pretty much what you are doing is realizing the manager's dream that you are just one of the executors of that dream realizing. But if you became the manager, then you you are the one who initiate a new project that realize your dream. That's really, I think, taunting to a lot of people. But for other people who work in bigger corporates or bigger organizations, I think that also means sometimes, well, as an answer to what He Yang just said, they also have a lot of compromises they have to make, even as a manager or boss of a team. They also have a supervisor of their own, you know, and they also have to answer to them, respond to them. And that means a lot of a compromise. And sometimes I think um, the middle level management team carry more such compromises than workers on the, I would say, grassroots level. (laughs) Yeah, because you can just be like, okay, if I'm on board with this project, I can work really hard for this. But if I'm not, I can draw back and I can quit this project and do things I want to do. But this middle level management, they don't really have a say about this because you are on that position. And They're me- megaphones of their bosses. And if you, you're you saying to your boss that I want to quit this manager position and do mm. the things I want, are you able to handle all the things come after you were stepping down as a boss? You know, or what, the just prejudice? become commoners like us again? I I think <laughs> a lot of people would have a yeah. problem, would have a difficult time, mm. sort of readjusting into a new environment, into a new position, and so they're sort of pushed onto this position that they don't, they can't really say no most of the time. I think because they can't say no to their bosses yeah. and then they don't really have enough autonomy to carry out what they want to do if they have something that they want to do. Mm-hmm. And then they need to speak to the so-called underlings. And then the underlings these days, we have our ideas, too, and they're not so easily managed. Maybe, oh, you earning a few <laughs> more thousand yuan and the responsibility you carry. OK, Huang Shan, what do you think? 
No matter what, I think for most of, for most people, we will think being promoted to a management role is a huge accomplishment,、mm-hmm. right? If you would like to judge how successful you are, if you can climb up that ladder in the workplace, it's still a good thing. It's a very straightforward way to say you have been promoted. Yep. And for any people who are very opinionated, when you are reaching that position, maybe you have more say. In one decision, and with that power, you'll have more freedom in doing the things you want. This is the good, you know, outlook for being a manager. However, I think sometimes you will be frustrated by how to command your people or how to have your influence on the people around you. So, if you're a person who's so into yourself, maybe it will be very hard to lead a team because you want to. Everyone to follow your order. However, people are different, so it depends on your management skill. So, are you a capable person in doing that? And if you have a, well, if you are a very charismatic person, this is great. Maybe you just enjoy being appreciated and recognized by your, well, by your. A team,、uh, by your teammates, and you want to be in that leader position because you want people to look up to you. So this can, you know, massage some people's ego.、Mm-hmm. So that's one of the merits of being a leader because you can enjoy that feeling, like people are looking up to you and people would like to follow your orders. So everything is within your control.、Mm-hmm. But still, if you're not the top, like you may have another manager above you, then you kind of stuck in the middle because. You have to pass down the, well, the regulations or kinds of like policies to the people below you. And if people who are working for you and happy with that decision, then you need to, while、well, trying to figure out a way to digest it and trying to figure out a way to make it more pleasant to your boss, I would say. So it's a very, I would say it's a very tricky job, but it depends on. Would you like to take that risk? And maybe you would like to be in that position because, like, in exchange, you can have more money. So why not? But、yeah. holiday at at a cost. So also, I think,、uh, forgive me for being so crude. Money does matter、mm-hmm. in the sense that if you're only talking about a sliver of a salary a salary bump, then. With all the amount of stuff of extra work that Huang Shen just told us, it doesn't sound like it's worth it. But if it's a substantial amount, with the power or autonomy that's supposed to come with it, then I think that can maybe persuade people to want to、uh, get into these roles a little bit more. But but not always. And、um, I also checked with my friends about you know、um, this. This topic, you know, did you want to be promoted if you have that、uh, that opportunity?、Um, and and not everybody says yes. And I was a little surprised with how widespread this sentiment could be.、Um, but there are people who want to step up. And I asked one of my good、uh, girlfriends this question, and she she she's doing very well in a startup company. And、uh, she said, "Well, why do I want to step up?、Um, pay is one thing." But pay isn't that much because their startup company is still looking for capital, and therefore, if they hit the jackpot, then she'll get like a substantial amount. But if not, then she's still working it. But she told me this 
golden line, and it's a little bit crude again. So heads up. Why do we fight? It's not to leave the world to idiots. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm perfectly happy doing whatever I was doing just now, and I w- I'm a professional, a specialist in it, but I don't want to be led by morons, and therefore, I'm doing it. And I applaud her. I mean, sometimes, well, you got to look at your own career and what happens, but uh, but there's a tragic part two to that saga because one of the idiots um sort of just parachuted to the company so oh, no. so yeah um i'll keep you updated if you're interested in knowing more <laughs> in future shows but certainly it's interesting that not everybody has the singular vision on what success in life and career or what you want in life and and i find that to be promising. I find that to be um, something that I'm quite happy happy to see. But also, there's another uh, okay, well, we have time for a quick discussion for this little question. That is some people say there's a difference between being a leader and being a boss. And do you find there to be a distinction and what do you think makes a good boss? And maybe that's the little tip we'll leave for everyone. I think for a boss, maybe it's to some extent, is more rigid, which means like maybe a boss is just taking care of the things uh, that belongs to his or her responsibility, or it's like more about the work description. But for a leader, this person has to have the power to inspire people around him or her, because when you're a leader, people would like to work for you, and sometimes like you can have that like a soft power. Uh, Amount these people because you are working toward the same goal. But as a boss, maybe it means that you can only command people to do certain things. But are they willing to do so? Not really. So maybe <laughs> a leader sounds a little bit better than a boss. But I think theoretically, there's supposed to be a difference between boss and leaders. But you know, in the real world scenario, most of the time. Um, our leaders are our bosses, and most of the time we are just doing the things at the command of our bosses. And I think, yeah, it would be nice to have a leader who can inspire you, who, mm. who can influence you to do the things of your own will that you want to do it. But most of the case is that you are working. For your boss, and you have to listen to him or her. Well, I mean, you need to do the tasks,、mm-hmm. but however, what your heart and brain goes, nobody has authority over that. But you, I would like to think like that. <laughs> <laughs> but certainly, with the bosses, yeah.、Um, okay, let's look at this maybe in a more positive light. That is, maybe if people get promoted, then they start off as bosses. But if they are Uh, willing to learn on the job, if they're willing to become better at what they do, then maybe one day they become leaders. But I also think you know humans are so complicated. If these <laughs>、yeah. work, the workers themselves、yeah. are not that easy to be influenced and to be aspired. That also sort of some sometimes force that person to be the commanding boss and to be bossy and pushy. Well,、mm. it's, it's about really the team. Yeah, about the people, the very different people you work with. You're listening to Roundtable coming up next. Motivational Monday. Motivational Monday. Motivational Mondays. 
Hong Shen, what do you have for us? My motivational Monday quote today is from the TV show Modern Family. The quote is from I'm already ep- laughing. Yeah, <laughs> I love that show. Yeah, and the quote is from one episode that came out a while back, but speaks to me now.、Um, it is during one character's middle school graduation.、Uh, the character Alex. Alex、mm. gives a speech. She said that I find it ironic that I'm up here representing my classmates when they're so awesome. They should be up here themselves, but I'm up here and I'm saying stuff because everybody's got their stuff. Whether you are popular or a drama geek or a cheerleader or a nerd like me, we all have our insecurities. We are all just trying to figure out who we are. I guess that I'm trying to say is don't stop believing and get this party started. Alex had originally wanted to make a speech smearing her classmates for ignoring her because she was a nerd and she was not popular.、Uh, but her sister Haley convinced her to just use some motivational lines from a song. Haley asked that although she seems popular, she's insecure about all her friends going to college and she may not even get in. In essence, everyone from the nerd to the popular girl has their stuff. I think this quote is more meaningful now because we are saturated. With social media and showing the idealized part of everyone, where everyone has amazing jobs, amazing holidays, and an amazing family life with the right number of children, I knew a couple. You know, they seem to lead a charmed life. They should always, well, they would always travel to some amazing destinations with beautiful scenery, and they were all smiles. However. It later turned out that the unemployed husband was having an affair, and taking the wife's hard-earned money. They entire time the husband was also emotionally abusive. So I guess a very variant of everybody's got their stuff quote is the grass is always greener on the other side, or all that glitters is not gold. But I like everybody's got their stuff. It's it's very motivational because you don't have to be disheartened that everyone besides yourself seems to have their life together when you don't. So you don't have to compare yourself to others, and more importantly, they have stuff that you are not entitled to know. Wow, that is a lot to unpack and all packed together by Huang Shen. And yeah, if you look really deep, there is more, more than one、mm. motivational、uh, message there. Fei Fei, what do you have for us? Well, I have a quote from an American writer called Henry Miller, and it says, "All growth is a leap in the dark, a spontaneous, unpremeditated act without the benefit of experience." Well, my takeaway with this is that when we are thinking about start anew, like change a major in the college, change a job, start a new habit, it's always painful to start, and but. You will make a lot of mistakes, and you feel frustrated all the time because nothing goes right. But I think you know that's also the beauty of changing yourself and starting something new. You are actually growing with these pains. So I think for us, sometimes you just have to stick to it, and then you will get there eventually. Can I just ask you one thing? And this is. Unintentional, but this could be the perfect linkage to the topic we just talked about. <laughs>、yes. You know, because some people might be wondering, well, yeah, this is the conventional route, just going up and up, and we take setbacks. Maybe you don't get the promotion this time, but just work hard, wait around the second time, and maybe you'll get there. Or、um, 
But now we're seeing uh, this is not just in China, even with, let's say, quiet quitting, which was the trend of work last year in the U.S. Um, people aren't actually quitting, but、mm. people are just quietly doing the bare minimum. On their job, and therefore, some people, if if they're like the very motivational and、um, passionate people who want to do well, they might go, "Why would you do that? You know, like, can't you think about like trying to do something new and and think of your promotion or working towards the promotion as doing something new?、Um, is it kind of giving a giving up on you know just this thought of progressing?" In the corporate world, or however you see it, but I think for a lot of the young people who said they are quite quitting, they are also having other projects going on on the sidelines, like they are doing their own platform on、mm. social media. They are having running their own little studios, doing the things they want, really want to do on their heart, and they are just keep that job as something that they have to do, or for a safety net, or something their family pushed them into. So I think it's really about people having more choices when it comes to having careers or being self-growth. It doesn't really mean you have to get promoted on the job.、Mm. It can also mean you know mentally you are more open than before, or you have a healthier lifestyle than before, or you are open to other. Career options through your own, you know, friends circles or on different platforms. So it、yeah. really depends on what you think being promoted or successful or growth really is. Yeah, they take up a different direction or a different kind of goal. And Hongshan, do you have something to add to this? Yeah, I think we should just follow. Our own pace, because I think I I recommended a book before that is late bloomers.、Mm. So who knows? Maybe you're just a late bloomer when every other people when other people they succeeded、uh, in their early twenties, thirties. Maybe you just succeed in your forties or fifties. Well, so why not? I just like follow your pace, do whatever you want, but put yourself at a center and love yourself before you love the world.、Mm. Yeah. Oh, I like that. And also, I think this is demonstrating、uh, how diverse people are, and what we see as important in our lives, and what you see as oh, this person is not working hard, so to speak, but actually, this person might just be taking a completely different. Path than you.、Mm. It's just you don't know. And、mm. um, also, if you're feeling like you would like to take a step back, just to give yourself a little rest and a little bit of me time, that's perfectly fine too. That's it for today's roundtable. Bye, guys.